friends, it's wonderful to be back here in the family. Thank you so much for having me back here. I'm not alone. I also have Anastasia here. She's from our, from our staff in the La Papa Center in Papua. Now, don't get that wrong. That is not Papua New Guinea. Most people think it's Papua New Guinea. It is not Papua New Guinea. Uh, Papua New Guinea is actually a nation that is a Christian nation. Uh, but Papua Indonesia is the old Irian Jaya, and that is under the Indonesian government, which is a Muslim government. And that's actually where we are based. <laughs> so our headquarters of Voice in the City is in Germany, and um, yeah, and we've got the center in Papua. And that's why I am a Papuan. <laughs> Amen. All right. Now, tonight, I want to talk to you about something that is really um, on my heart. And normally, when I go to, for a weekend like that, it's almost like a series. And you know, uh, last night, I talked very much about we want revival and we want the fire. And so we talked about, God, please change the people and touch the people and give them revival. And then God says, hang on, I'll do that later. Let me first deal with my servant. <laughs> and that was last night, isn't that right? And, uh, and very much in my life, that has been like that. It's very true what um, pastor said. I worked for 18 years for Reinhard Bonke and then started my own ministry and then went from place to place. And I like what my spiritual dad, Reinhard Bonke, said. He said this. He said, every new dimension will have its own battlefield. Isn't that true? And he said this. He said, when you see a ministry that is really flowing in the power of God, he said that ministry will flow and there will be breakthrough and there will be a revival. He said, but sooner or later, that ministry will actually reach a ceiling, will reach a plateau. He says, and for that ministry to move into a new dimension, that, that ministry or that person will have to swim back against the tide. And he used it like a server. Reinhardt used to say, it's like a server that go and find this big wave. And then he comes in on that big wave and it looks glorious and powerful and majestic. He says, but the wave is carrying you to the seashore. He says, and that wave will throw you out on the seashore and you can splash yourself with water. You can do what you like, but sooner or later you will get dry unless you swim back to find the next wave. That's what he said. And I watched that, of course, working for him. And we saw how the ministry went from, from, from breakthrough to breakthrough. And every time we had to swim back to find the next wave. Now, that's also very true. <coughs> Excuse me. For me in Papua, actually, I'm an evangelist, intercessor, doing prayer schools and whatnot. And then God sent me to Papua. Well, only God could think about that one. And, and uh, that was all fine because we started with crusades and prayer schools and raising up the intercessors, which is typically, 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 say it, typically, <laughs> typically of what I was doing. And then God told me to start the center. And I said, no, thank you, Lord, that's not me. That's not what I'm doing. And then the Lord told me just before COVID, and I just quickly tell you that because I want to go with that tonight, um, I had to swim back and find the next wave. 
We trained in that time in the La Papa Center, 9,000 inland people and reached about a half a million people. And then came, just before COVID, the Lord said to me, I want you to start a seeding program. I want you to start an agricultural program. I said, excuse me, not me. You've got the wrong person. I mean, what do I know about, what do I know about anything about agriculture? Nothing. Give me a microphone. <laughs> give, me, give me training. Give me preaching. What in the world do I know about farming is dangerous? <laughs> but it was God, and we started with an, a seeding program, which I insisted on had to be spiritual and agricultural at the same time, which nobody else has done, by the way, before. So when I said to them, spiritual and agricultural, they look at me like I you know, like I'm from the moon, like I came from another planet and fell on my head, you know. And that's where we started. We did that for two years. We trained a thousand farmers and then God spoke. I want you to look tonight at a quick video of what we are doing out there. We are at the moment finding the new wave. Actually, while I'm here, it is full force running in Manakwari at the moment. We started with second year agricultural students from the universities, brought them in into our center, trained them, most of them, 99% of them not born again, some of them not even having a Bible. And we brought them in, got them born again, get them moving in God, teaching them about Jesus, bring character to them and train them agricultural uh, things because that's the only way we can impact Papua and the villages. All right, let's look at the video. <coughs> what you see there what you see there are the people who cannot read nor write. They're in alphabetan, they are people that most people has rejected. They are the poor, they are the people that didn't have the opportunity to go to school or to university and learned no skill. So we went in and we trained them how to be farmers and how to become entrepreneurs. That's reaching into a land that is absolutely bush. That's an area which is absolutely the inland people where there's no education, there's no way. Nobody wanted to take them on. Nobody wanted to teach them because they are the inland people that once again had no chance. And so we took them and said, this is what God has for you. And this is what you can do on your own land to become entrepreneurs, to give them food, to train them, to teach them, to feed their own people. Yeah, give a clap for Jesus, he did that. This area is the darkest area. It's the area that they call the witch doctor area. Nobody wanted to even drive through there. 
we went there, the witch doctor in the area got born again. He brought all his, his students to get born again. We had more witch doctors than what we knew what to do with getting born again. And then we went in there. That area is now where we built at this moment our integrated farm to train the students. That area became darkness into light and prosper, now becoming entrepreneurs. This is where the students would be trained next and we will copy that in Papua. That's an integrated farm right there, right there in Manakwari, where we are working, training them on, on pig, on farmery, on, on guava, on lychee, on every possible thing. They are daily in that farm learning. That's the Love Papua Centre, by the way. That's taking into our community. That's going into our community, telling, we are bringing these people in. We are now reaching our community. We are reaching 1,884 children that never had a chance to have extra reading, writing, English, and the Word of God. announced to you tonight that our program is now a fully accepted curriculum in the universities as a, as a place of training for these students. They have accepted a spiritual agricultural program, first time in the history of Papua. Hallelujah, Lord. Would you give a clap for Jesus Christ? Amen. 
The only way we found that we can do that now is by training the next generation from small into the Word of God to reading, writing, and taking Papuan students and taking university students, many of them being second year in university, not being able to read or write. Hallelujah. What a privilege that God can send us to the ends of the earth. So Lord, I want to thank you tonight for this wonderful privilege to share the Word of God tonight, my Father. What a joy that we can know that by the power of the Holy Spirit alone, you can take us from dimension to dimension. Lord, thank you that it's not by might nor by power, but by your precious Holy Spirit, that it's by your precious Holy Spirit that Christ in us, the hope of glory, make all things possible, Lord. When we are weak, you are strong, and we worship you tonight for your goodness. And I release the spirit of revelation over this meeting. I speak light and life in Jesus' name. I say tonight in the name of Jesus that this word will find in good, good ground and will multiply a hundredfold, Lord, and we give you glory for that in Jesus' name. Amen and amen, amen, amen. I like to go to the word tonight and I like to share with you. Right. <laughs> You know, I know what to do with the devil, but this is my enemy. <laughs> I'd like to talk to you tonight about something I want to go a little bit carry on of where I stopped yesterday. I talked yesterday about God sending us to places like he sent Elijah to actually go and deal with strongholds um, for Jezebel. You can listen to that message later. I'm not going to repeat that now. But I want to talk to you tonight about destiny. And I want to talk to you tonight about, we talk about revival and we talk about destiny, but actually, you know, I think we are very much in revival. I think revival starts from within. I think it's no use we look for a revival out there. I think the fire starts in your own soul. And I think when you are revived, you obviously have revival and bring to others that fire and that passion. But doesn't matter what you do for God, I like to talk to you tonight about destiny and the blueprint of God. And it all started with me when I was just recently preaching in Ambon. And I was preaching actually to the academy. And I was preaching to all these soldiers and all these police and so on. And I was standing outside and I saw the most amazing building. And here stood this magnificent building. It was 75% finished. And so I turned to the people and I said, what an amazing building. Why are they not finishing it? Well, for reasons which now is not important here, um, it actually stopped and the building stopped and the Holy Spirit spoke to me. And he said to me that that building had the blueprint. And God Almighty, <coughs> excuse me, when we want to build a building, that we, we would get an architect in and we will say to that architect, give us a blueprint. And we would build according to the blueprint, isn't that right? Now, God also has a blueprint. And I want to take you tonight to the blueprint of God for your life. And I want to talk to you tonight how Satan would want to try to stop you in your blueprint. But let me tell you something. There is no demon on earth that can stop the spirit-filled child of God who is out for exploits of God. 
Or you might have opposition, and he might try to stop you along the way that we are going to see tonight. But there is nothing in the power of the Holy Spirit that can stop a blueprint of God if you follow the blueprint. And so we see here, then when God talks about the blueprint in our life, my favorite scripture is Psalm 139. And you, I know that the multimedia has been wonderful. Yeah, you guys are great. I'm going to give you all a candy afterwards. Come on, let's read that, please. This is my absolute favorite, and that is from the Passion Translation. Shall we read it out loud? One, two, three, go. You form... Let's stop. I'm sure you can put more fire to it than that. My word, come on. One, two, three. You formed my innermost being, shaping my. already had the blueprint for you. Actually, before you were born, now can I allow me, I mean, that might not be appropriate here from the stage, so if that's not appropriate, I will repent later. But allow me to take you for one minute into my medical world. I'm a registered nurse. Before the Lord called me, I was a registered nurse and, and at the same time a midwife. So if you allow me to take you for one second into my medical world, I like to say before a woman can conceive, there must be a conception of the egg of that woman. And when a woman, before a woman can have this baby or conceive a child, there is the sperm that has to reach the egg. Now, there are millions of sperms that is on its way in the race to be able to conceive that sperm. But that's one sperm, one only, that can conceive that baby is the winner. And that's why you are here, because the sperm that conceived you was the winner. So God already made you an overcomer in the womb. Come on, say amen. Amen. And that's why I so often say to people that are living in inferiority and say, I cannot do this, I cannot do that. I say, you were the overcomer. You were already victorious in the womb. So rise up. God made you already a conqueror. Come on, say amen. Say to the person next to you, I'm a conqueror. Amen. Say it to the person with conviction, come on. <laughs> here, we see, here we see that God Almighty gives us a blueprint. And God says, before you were, while you were in the womb, or before you were in the womb, I already knew about you. And then he says, I wrote about you in my book. Now, let's make it clear. From the day that we are born again, or excuse me, not born again, the day we, of our birth date until the day we are breathing our last breath is determined by God. 
And nothing can be changed about that. That has been determined by the heavens from the beginning of time. God determined when you will be born and when you breathe your last. But that's not the point. The point is not, am I living 70 years or am I living 60 years? The point is, what do I do with the time that's given to me? That's really the point. And that's where God says, and confirm it in his word, in, Revela- in, in uh, Jeremiah 29 verse 11, that says, I know the plans I have for you. So we see that from the beginning of time, God gave us this blueprint. God has this blueprint. He wrote it in his book. He actually determined it from the beginning of time. And then he says, I know the plans I have for you, good plans, plans to prosper you. But we read that, but do we really believe that? And so we see that God actually speaks here that he has this blueprint for us. Now, how are we going to follow this blueprint? And I like to go to that. In Romans chapter 4, verse 17, not media guys, they put it up for us. And so in Romans chapter 4, verse 17, we see, I've asked for that. I think they have got it maybe from the Amplified, I hope. Yeah, you're good guys. As it is written, I have made you the father of many nations. He was appointed our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, who gives life to the dead and speak of the non-existing things that he has foretold and promised as if they already existed. In other words, before you were born, God already have those things that are not already established in heaven for you. I say many a times, we don't believe for something new. We just need to pull down what's there already. It's not about something new. It's not even about the new revival. It's not even about anything new. It's about going and calling those things that are not as though they are. And that's really what prophetic prayer is all about. If ever you listen to any of my sermons or any of my teachings, you will hear that the key of my life or the key of prophetic prayer is not to be mystical. We don't have to be weird to be spiritual. Come on, say amen. But true prophetic prayer is really to go to that, that which God has promised, that which God has said, that which God has confirmed, that which God has given as a rhema word, that which God has promised you, which you underlined in your Bible and you wrote the date next to it. That is God's plan for your life. Get starting to pray it. And when you start praying that, you actually pull that which is not as though it is. And that's really how we move in every single thing we do. We seek out and we find out what is the promise of God. And then we go with that because that is our destiny. If you would just understand, church, I don't have the time to teach you that tonight. Because if I start that way, we will stop tomorrow night. <laughs> I, I'd have the stamina for it, but I don't know if you have the stamina for it. The point is this, if you learn to move with the promise of God and to start praying it, proclaiming it, decreeing that, speaking it, you will find that God take those things that are not and manifest them in your life faster than what you can handle it. 
And that's how we start coming to the place of finding out what God wants. And so, <coughs> excuse me. So we see that for every person, God actually has what I call a blueprint, a destiny. Now, just quickly, just for Bible teaching's sake, let's just quickly lay the foundations clearly on that. And we see actually in Genesis chapter 126, which we're not going to read all, we see that God gave Adam and Eve a job. He said, you in the garden, and then he said, this is your job. He says, I give you authority over the fish, over the earth, over everything, and multiply. That was their task. That was their blueprint. That was what God wanted them to do. That was the word over them. Okay, they failed, but thank God for a second Adam. Thank God for Jesus Christ that died and rose and, and, and take that back and restore us to that original blueprint. And so we see that God gave Adam and Eve a blueprint. And that means because Jesus Christ rose, because Jesus Christ died and rose again, you and I are restored back to that blueprint, to have authority, to move, to multiply in God. Amen. Now let's move on. Because that's, that's just saying hello. I'm not preaching yet. That's clear, yeah? So... We see that God gave, we give different blueprints. Let's just take Abram. God gave Abram a blueprint in Genesis 12. I'm not going to read it. From verse 1 to 3, where God said, leave your country and go where I will show you and I will bless you. We all know those scriptures. God gave him a blueprint. That is what I want you to do. And that is what I'm going to, that is my promise. You follow the blueprint, that will be the result. Now we see that in Moses. We see, for example, in Moses, that God gave him, excuse me, Joseph, that God gave him a dream in Genesis 37, 7. And the Lord said to him, this is the moon, the stars will bow before you. God tells him what is his blueprint. Never mind that there was a whole lot of battle in between, but the blueprint happened. We can go right through the Bible like that with Moses, with Deborah, with David. We can go right through to Paul. We can go right through the Bible that God actually say what he wants. And I am pretty sure if I have the chance to talk to every one of you privately and individually, and I have a chance to say to me, to you, what scriptures did God give you for your life? All of you will have something. I am pretty sure tonight, if I have the privilege to sit down with every one of you and say, okay, what scripture touched your heart? What scripture have you been praying or maybe believing the Lord? And there was just some scripture somewhere that touched your heart. That is the scripture I want because that involves your blueprint. And so I see here that God take them through and I don't wanna go through all of that but we see that God actually work with a blueprint, with a destiny. Now, every time, and I'm just going to skip all of this, but every time we actually come to something that is part of our blueprint, now listen very carefully, turn to the person next to you and say, now she starts preaching, you better listen. <laughs> How many of you are with me? In your blueprint, God Almighty will take you to your destiny. Every 
destiny will be given by God, either by a word or by a scripture or by a calling, but every destiny, as much as God gives you a destiny or a plan that he wants you to do for him, that destiny will be opposed by the enemy. That's his job. He has to do it. Because if you flow in your destiny or you continue in your destiny, you are destroying his kingdom. So his task is to stop you in your destiny. And many of us did not understand what's happening to us because we didn't understand we are actually on the way to the, with the blueprint. And we look at this and we look at that and we, oh, the devil attacked me here and the devil attacked me there. What's only happening is that all hell is trying to stop you while all of heaven is marching on your behalf. Come on, say amen. So I like to, I'm going to skip all of this and I like to take you to one person in the Bible that taught me very much about destiny. And that was exactly the same with what you see here. <coughs> Excuse me, I apologize. Sorry. I just quickly drink. I apologize. And it was the same like when we were in the La Papa Center. Uh, when we built the place, there were, thank you. <laughs> it's okay. Good people, wow. Can I please take you with me to Papua? <laughs> I book you, no problem. <laughs> um, it was like that, you know. We were standing there, and I, I think I told that last night. I don't know, I, I think I told that last night about the three children. And we don't have the time to look the video now, but there were these three children that was holding onto the fence outside the La Papa Center. And I sent my staff to, to go to them and to say to them, uh, come in. And they said, no, this is your world. This is not our world. This is too, too elegant for us. We will not come in here. And I right there decided, this we will change. But it was a destiny that God gave in our blueprint was, that was extremely opposed. Why? Because if we train the next generation in the Word of God, in reading, writing, mathematics, and everything else, we are building a next generation of leaders. Amen. And so we started with that. Every destiny God gives you will be opposed. It is the job of Satan. But I want you to know that if you walk with the Holy Spirit and you walk with God, there is no demon on this earth that can continue to hold you back in your destiny. However, let's look at a person in the Bible where we very much learn about destiny. And I'd like you to open your Bible with me or read with me in Acts chapter 23, verse 11. Now, in Acts chapter 3, destiny, but the following night the Lord spoke to him, and now that is Paul. I'd like to take you a little bit on a journey with me to the, with the Apostle Paul. And I want you to see what God Almighty or what he has gone through to be able to fulfill his destiny. And let's learn from it. Now, Paul, the Apostle Paul, had a mandate. We see actually, please keep it up there. We see in Acts chapter 9, 15, that God said to Ananias that Paul is a chosen vessel. 
And now God gave Paul a mandate, just like your mandate, just like my mandate, just like I heard to change that whole situation with the children or to change the generation with the students that in every, every situation. Fact is every one of us, it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter if you are in the worship team. It doesn't matter if you're home. It doesn't matter what you do. You are on a destiny road with God in your blueprint. Now, here we see that God gave Paul a destiny. Let's read it together. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, Be of good cheer, Paul, as for you have testified for me in Jerusalem. So, come on. One, two, three. So you must also bear witness in? Oh, so that's the blueprint. That's the job. You have to go to Rome, right? Sounds so simple. We read it so quickly, don't we? One more time. But the following night, the Lord stood by him and said, everybody together, be of good cheer, Paul, for you have testified for me in Jerusalem. Now, come on loud. You have, come on, also bear witness in Rome. So the destiny is Rome. The moment God gave him a destiny, that moment Satan opposed it. Because if Paul testified in Rome, the way he testified in Jerusalem, the strongholds of Satan, that which we sang about, shake, change, break down walls, is to happen in Rome because the gospel has to go to the Roman Empire. Amen. Now we see here, the moment that happens, I call it cannons. Excuse me for using that language. I grew up with five brothers. It was total survival, thank you very much. They were all military people, so excuse me using military terminology. I call it cannons. Satan pulled out the cannons that tried to stop our destiny. And you will have exactly the same as, as what Paul had and as I have. And the first thing we see, the moment Paul got his first testimony, his, his first, that mandate, instantly the first cannon is pulled out. And we see that in Acts chapter 23 and verse 12, the very, very next verse. Let's have that up, please. Let's read that together, please. Stop, people. Come on, you're intelligent people. Read that one more time and think what it says. Under an oath, saying that they would neither eat nor drink till they had killed Paul. Now, let me get this clear. Forty men stood up and say, you die or we die. Finish. Amen. Let's get this clear. When a Jewish man under that oath, under that time, an, an Orthodox Jew turn and make an oath, he better keep it because if he doesn't keep it, his own people will stone him. You understand? 
So this was it. You die or we die. It's that serious. It's not like we say, all right, Lord, I'll wake up five o'clock in the morning and I pray and I remember that for three weeks and then I sleep again. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about myself. That's not like that. That kind of an oath is a binding thing. They might have been husbands, they might have been grandfathers, I don't know. But this is what it meant. You die, Paul, or we have to commit suicide. Because if we don't, our own people will kill us. That's how serious that was. And I'm amazed how often in any destiny that God gives, any anything God give, how often your own people oppose you the most. Come on, say amen. How many of you know what I'm talking about? Yeah. Here God calls a man and a woman from Singapore to go to Wales to go and break open a revival. What possibly opposed them along the way? God take a German woman, born South African, to go to the middle of, the, of Papua. Give a destiny. And what came along the way? My own spiritual daddy, whom I love very much. I highly, I mean, there's no, there was no man on this earth I respect more than Reinhard Bonker. But when I went to Papua, he was on the phone and say, Suzette, what are you doing? Suzette, I don't believe this is God. Suzette, you are packing out stadiums in the world. Now you go to Papua, over the mountains. What are you doing? You said there were 300, 400 people, or maybe 1,000, or sometimes with 50 people. Suzette, what are you doing? My own spiritual dad, whom I love and respect the most. What was my answer? I said, Reinhard, I have never opposed you. But this time, let me just say, I'd rather preach to 500 people that has never heard the gospel yet than go and preach in a stadium with 10,000 people that heard the gospel already 10 times. End of discussion. <laughs> Come on, say amen. My own people stood up. My own supporters stood up. My own people in Jakarta, my supporters stood up and says, we cannot see this. We cannot believe that God sent you to Papua. Why would God send a world evangelist to go and sit in the middle of the bush? One guy said to me, he said, Sister Suzette, where will I find you in the bush? You know what I said to him? I said, don't worry, I'm tall enough. I'll just stand up and you'll see me. <laughs> Come on, say amen. amen. And many a times, dude, this one cannon is so effective that many people stop in their destiny because a father and a mother complain or because a husband or a wife or maybe a family member complain and they lose their destiny and they stop pressing in because Satan used the first cannon. You come with me to Indonesia. Come with me to some of those areas where men and women pay with their lives to serve Jesus. Come with me where some of them are pulled out of my meetings by their hair because their family found out that they were in my meeting. Where they were pulled out by their hair and possibly was stoned just around the corner because they loved Jesus. Because they wanted more of Jesus. 
Come and talk to me where we go to some places where I was in those meetings myself. I will never forget how this, this, she screamed. Or come with me at my crusade in Sorong. If that, if that woman who brought to me her sick baby to our crusade, we had 28,000 people there. If her husband and her family knew she was in that Christian meeting because she was from a different faith, she will be stoned. And there she sat. The love of a mother. Let me tell you the love of a mother. She sat there with her sick baby. So one of my coworkers came and called me and he said, Sister Suzette, or rather they call me mom. Mom, you better come and look at this. So I walk over as a registered nurse. The moment I took that baby in my arms, I saw that baby was dead. That baby was not breathing anymore. And that baby was, must have been dead for quite a while. And I took that baby and I prayed and I cried to God to send back that baby. Because just a few weeks or months before, we had another baby being raised from the dead in another crusade where we all were crying out before God. We've got the footage of that. And suddenly God sent that child back. So this time we did the same. We prayed and prayed and prayed and prayed, oh God, please send back this child. And then the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, you've prayed now. Give back the child to the mother. But the child was still breathing yet. I said, Lord, the child is still dead, as if you couldn't see it. So I gave the baby back. I will never, ever, ever forget the disappointment in the eyes of that woman. When she looked at me knowing what she has gone through to be able to bring that baby to that meeting. Know how she had to climb over her own fear and her own, her own situation. Knowing that if she was found out, she would be killed. She would be stoned there by the people that of her own people. And her baby was still dead. And I didn't understand. And I walk away and I carried on praying for the people. We had about 28,000 people there that night. And we were praying, praying, praying. And suddenly the Holy Spirit spoke to me. He said, go back to the baby. And I went back to the baby. And I took the baby. And I took the pulse. And I look at the pulse. And the pulse was there. And God has sent back the baby. Yeah. Come on, will you clap for Jesus Christ? Come on, come on, come on. And I said to the Lord, I said, Lord, why did you not heal the baby when we prayed the first time? What was God's answer? Suzette, I am the resurrection and the life, not you. Come on, say amen. And that's what God did. And he brought that baby back. So you see, people, many a times you have to climb over your own fear. And in my situation in Papua, I, the, Satan pulled out the first cannons. He pulled out the cannons of my supporters. He pulled out the cannons of my spiritual daddy. He pulled out the cannons even of my staff that didn't agree and said, we can't see this. How can you give up a world ministry to go to the jungle? And I walk in, one person, me, can't speak the language. I'm just a woman. I might be a tall woman. I'm just a woman. <laughs> we had no money. I will never forget when we came here to Cornerstone. 
And Cornerstone took up an offering that saved our day over there, remember? And that's what we had. And many times I would go preaching and just the little money that they gave us as, our, as, as the love gift was all that we had to eat. And that's how we lived. Today, by God's grace, we've got two centers running. Yeah, because Satan pulled out the first cannon. Now, when Satan pulled out the first cannon and Satan can't stop you and he can't get you to be stopped by your own loved ones or by people criticizing you or by people stopping you. There's a woman in this meeting. God has spoken to you several times about fasting and prayer, but because you were criticized by somebody else before, you're sitting right there at the back. I wish I could walk right up the stairs and pull you out of your seat. And God has spoken to you many times before about fasting and praying and seeking God Almighty, but because you have been accused... And because you have been criticized, you have given up that calling and you are dry in your spirit and you lost your fire. And tonight is your night for God to restore you. So, if Satan can't stop you on your first, on the first cannon, he'll pull out the second one. If he can't get you to give up on that which people try to stop and criticize you with, we see here that Paul actually now was on his way. Satan could not stop him through his own people. Forty men died and Paul was alive. And now we see the second point. Let's go to Acts chapter 24, verse 25. In Acts chapter 24 and verse 25, we see Paul preaching. And we see Paul preaching in front of Felix. Now, people, please look at me. Paul is now this man. Look at me, look at me. How many of you are listening to me? Let's just get this clear. Let's just get clear who we are talking about here. Let's just get this real among us tonight. What kind of a man we are talking about? We're talking of the guy who God used to establish the churches. We're talking of a man that raised the dead, whom just the apron from his body is taken to people and they are healed. We're talking of the guy whom God used to take the whole Gentile work to God. That's the man we talk about. And now this man is thrown in a prison. And it looks like a waste. You can say to me, yeah, but Paul wrote the Bible in the, in the prison. He didn't know it. He didn't know it. He didn't know that those, those things that he was writing there, those letters will one day become our Bible. He had to live through it. He had to sit in that prison. He had to be in that dungeon. He had to be limited. He sat in the place of that prison with the sewer going right through his prison. Go and read history. And there he is. And here came this brilliant opportunity preach in front of Felix and give him a bit of money, just a little bit of a bribe under the table and you are free. I remember I was actually in Jakarta and a very, very rich businessman walked up to me and it was right in the beginning of our ministry and we really needed that money. We still need it, by the way, but that's now a different case. And he said, he says, I like you. I said, oh, thank you. He said, he said, 
I like your preaching. I said, oh, thank you. That's only the Holy Spirit. He says, no, no, no. He said, if you don't preach as powerful about the Holy Spirit, and if you don't talk about the Holy Spirit the way you do, and if you don't get people to pray as, as loud and as clear as you do, I will pay all your crusades. I said, excuse me? Say that again. He said, if you don't speak about the Holy Spirit like you do, if you don't get them to pray in tongues like you do, if you don't talk about the Holy Spirit like you do, if you don't get them to rise up and pray even in tongues like you do, if you just calm it down, not my gift. I will pay for all your crusades. I look at him, I said, thank you very much for the offer, but you cannot buy my anointing. Come on, say amen. How many people criticize or how many people compromise for money or for acceptance? How many of us would change our message to be more accepted, to be more lovely, to be more accepted this way, not to shake the feathers too much that way, or not to shake the birds or upset people this way, or maybe even for the acceptance of money. We preach, but we just, you know, water it down a little bit because that is what's required for the offering. But look what Paul is preaching. There's no compromise. If Satan can't get you through the cannon, through your own people, he will use compromise to get you out of the way. A powerful cannon that got many men and women of God out of their callings. One of my own men, my own men, my right hand in the work, 11 years trained as my son, who was to be my successor, taking over from me through compromise, he's out of the ministry. Why? Because compromise is such a tool. Compromise, Paul, if only you would give a little bit of money to Felix. You could be out. You could go and do your ministry. You could raise the dead. You can establish the next churches. You can do this. You can do that. Paul, come on, just use a little bit of compromise. But if Paul has done that, what was the destiny? The destiny was Rome. And Paul knew that. And sometimes we lose the focus of our blueprint due to a little bit of compromise. And we don't boldly speak either in testimony or even in preaching. And we try to water it down a little bit because of maybe acceptance, maybe this, maybe that. I'm not saying we should be abrasive all the time. But I am saying that we cannot compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ. The third canon that Satan would pull out here, and we see that Paul never compromised his message. He could have been out of prison. Let's just get this, please understand that now this man of God sat two years already in that prison. Not one week, not two weeks. We complain about COVID-19 because we couldn't do things. We are so upset because in COVID we couldn't meet and we couldn't do that. This man with a calling to reach the Gentiles, this man will raise the dead, establish the churches, writing the letters, training the people, is stuck in a prison for two years. But he wouldn't compromise. And finally, I can imagine, I can imagine one day, as there came suddenly the rattling of the keys and he opened the door 
I can imagine how Paul looked up and they say, hey Paul, you are going to go. Finally, you're out of this prison. I can imagine the joy of Paul. I can imagine, wow, finally. Oh, really? Finally, you're going to the destiny of Rome. But then Paul had the revelation and we see that in Acts chapter 27, 10. And I want to talk to somebody here tonight. I want to talk to you tonight as a person for 45 years in full-time work. If Satan can't get you out by your own people and he can't get you to compromise, he will get you frustrated. And some of you are right there. God has called you. God has blessed you. God has anointed you. God has given you the word. God has given you the position. God has already blessed you. You are already called by God. You are already positioned by God. You are already sent by God. You have everything you need. You already overcome the place of people criticizing you. You already overcome the place of actually people maybe trying for you to compromise and soften things. You already passed that. But you don't see the answer of your prayer yet. We pray for revival and we don't see the breakthrough yet. And we wonder why it takes so long. And you've been praying for things. Last night, Daphne got up here and she said, don't give up, don't give up. She says it every time I look at her and every time she got up here, she said, don't give up, don't give up, pressing in. I want to add to that. Don't give up. Don't give up pressing in. You are frustrated because you don't see the answer of your prayer yet. Don't worry. It's only one of the cannons of Satan trying to get you out of that call. And God sent me to Papua. I thought, you know, it's all going to happen so quickly. I didn't think that it would take 12 years. And it was highly frustrating. And sometimes we get frustrated in our call and frustrated in the position where we are. And somehow we allow that canon of frustration to get us out of focus and we stop praying and we become like that building that is 75% ready. And then Paul had revelation. Finally, wow, he's on his way to Rome. Two years of frustration is over. Let's see what it says in, in Acts chapter 27 verse 10. Just quickly. Men, I perceive, everybody come on. Men, I perceive that this voyage will end with disaster and much loss, not only of the cargo and ship, but also our lives. What? What a freedom. Let me go back to the prison. I don't want that. Here he, he, he faced it all. He faced the people. He did a compromise. He faced the frustration. Finally, he's on his way to Rome. And then God gave him this revelation. What a revelation. But Paul knew God could not lie. And Paul knew, although there was a voyage problem, and although it seems that even their lives would be in danger, God can not lie. Come on, say with me, God can not lie. Come on, say it with more fire. God can not lie. Come on, God can not lie. One more time. 
God can not lie. Amen. And Paul knew that. If God has said Rome is the destiny, no matter if that voyage is going to have trouble, no matter if they're going to sink, no matter storms, God cannot lie. And that is what destiny is all about. Holding on, believing, praying that rhema word over your family, over your children, over your marriage, over your life, over your finances, over your ministry, over the church, over the different parts of the ministry. Holding on, going, decree, move, speak, pray. Although you don't see it in the natural, say with me, God can not lie. One more time. God can not lie. And we see that Paul knew that. And God never changed his destiny. I'm almost through. I'd like us to go to Acts chapter 27, 24. Acts 27, 24. Do not be afraid, Paul. You must be brought before Caesar. And indeed, God has granted you all those who sail with you. Amazing. Because God never changed his mind. You know how many people, I'm sure pastor could testify about that and pastor Daphne also. <coughs> how many people, oh God spoke to me. La, da, 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 and I must do this and now I must do that and then, and then, and then suddenly it's not as easy as they thought and now suddenly God changed his mind. Come on. Nobody in Cornerstone. I know that. Say to the person next to you, hey, she's talking to you. <laughs> Come on, say to the person next to you, she's talking to you. Because the moment things are becoming really tough, and the moment things are becoming really difficult, and the moment things are going really hard and difficult, we, don't, we forget sometimes that the Bible says, oh God, it says, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I shall fear no evil, for you are with me. It says, God prepared for us a table in the midst of our enemies, but to get to the table, we first walk the valley. Come on, say Amen. But we forget that sometimes. And Satan will use this to get us discouraged. And God never changed his mind on, on your destiny. And some of you here tonight, sometimes God has spoken to you, God has blessed you, God already showed you what he wanted you to do, but because of money, you held back. Or because of somebody's opinion, you held back. Or maybe somebody's, that somebody said you held back. Or maybe, yeah, maybe because it became too difficult, or maybe it doesn't fit, or it doesn't look like it's fitting. Paul, you are on your way to Rome. You happen to go via shipwreck. But you're still on your way to Rome. You know what blessed me about this? I want to say this to you. God put Paul on that ship to save those lives. God could have taken Paul in the spirit and moved him like Elijah right there to Rome. If God wanted to. God could have done exactly what he has done in, Roman, in, in Acts chapter 8. 
with Philip. Take him in the spirit from one place to the next. Or like Elijah, take him from one place to the next. God could have picked up Paul and says, right, my boy, we avoid the voyage and we avoid the shipwreck and we avoid you fasting two weeks and we avoid the storm and we avoid the difficulty and we avoid it all. I pick you up and I put you right in front of Caesar. Keep preaching, my boy. Come on. Would be nice, isn't it? Would be nice, isn't it? Oh, how I pray for Philip Airline. <laughs> we <We're> wonderful. <laughs> Imagine. Oh, one time I said, oh, Lord, I, I, we were talking and I said, oh, I would want Philip Airline. And my coworker that traveled with me said, Suzette, that will never happen to you. I thought, huh, what an audacity. Why do you think that? Am I not spiritual enough? I said, why is that? He said, because your suitcase is too heavy. There's not enough angels to pick them up. <laughs> pick him up and God didn't go there and God didn't move in the spirit no God sent Paul through the trouble of a shipwreck he sent him through the trouble of going there he take him through this trouble of two weeks fasting with a storm he take him through the trouble of fasting and prayer he take him through the swimming in the cold water he took him onto an island where Satan said if I can't listen to this if I can't get you through your family and I can't get you through through compromise, and I can't get you through frustration, and I can't get you through all of this, I will kill you. And he sent a snake. No wonder Paul just shook it off. He's my kind of a man, I like him. <laughs> he just shook it off. Why? Because God said, you must go to Rome. Why was Paul on that boat? Paul was not on that boat because of the destiny. Paul was on that boat because of those men. If Paul was not on that boat, they all would have been dead. And sometimes your storm might be the salvation of somebody else. Say to your neighbor, she's talking to me. It might be your very storm that you face that is God's answer for somebody else. Look what God do, and people, we can just almost stop with the rest. Look what God would do. It moved my heart deeply, deeply to think that God would take his servants through that. God would put him into that into that prison. God would let him go on that ship. God would let him go through that fasting. No eating, the storm, the wind, the nauseaness, the breaking of the ship, the cold water, getting sticks that it was cold. They were trying to make a fire, a snake biting him for one purpose, one purpose only, revival in Malta. Why is God sending you to Wales? I've been thinking about it all day. It's been on my mind all day. Why would God take a Singaporean to go to believe God for a revival which other people has given up? Why? I'll never forget the day 
When I asked the Lord, I said, Lord, why do you send me to high security prisons? Why, Lord? Why do you send me to death row? I have no, I have no knowledge of this. Why am I the first woman in Homan where they execute the men, 700 men waiting in Alabama to be for the execution date? And God sent me in there. And the guy said to me, we've never had a woman in here before. I said, good, then now you've got the first one. He says, well, I don't know how you got permission. I didn't tell him that I didn't know either. But I said, Lord, why? Why would you send me in here? I don't know. I don't understand. Why would you send me to high security prisons like this where people are in for life and for murder and for drug lords and whatnot? I don't know how to do this. You know what the Lord said to me? Because I could find nobody else. And somehow, it was Paul's storm that brought revival to Malta. And you might be in a storm because your life has to help somebody else. Maybe your storm is exactly that which needs to help a family member or somebody else. I told last night here about Homan, or actually at the, when, the, when the helicopter, suddenly we had the emergency landing. I'm not going to repeat that. I told that last night, didn't I? Uh, last night, didn't I? So, <laughs> so you want me to tell it quickly? How many of you want to hear it? How many of you heard it already? How many of you want to hear it? Get the tape of last night. <laughs> The truth is, is that just in short, we were, we were on our way to a tribe. And I stayed there among that tribe, which I would not repeat how it was because it's not healthy for you. And it was quite difficult and so on and so on. And we were flying back with a helicopter and I was so happy to go home just to go back to Monaquari because I wanted to shower. And um, because the shower arrangement was not uh, anything like Singapore I used to. And... Um, and so we were on our way and suddenly the, helicopter, the pilot just said to me, you better start praying because that helicopter, that little helicopter was shaking and it was going back and forth and, and he showed me that our petrol was almost finished. And he said, we have to make an emergency landing. And so we really prayed because we were in the bush of Papua where many airplanes has gone down, where many helicopters before that has gone down. And so we were in this bush. We didn't know where we were. He tried to get to fly out under the, under the clouds, didn't manage. And we came out under the clouds. And I said, well, maybe there's a river down there that we could just land and maybe have an emergency landing in a riverbed. Well, when he came out, we saw there's that tiny little village. So he very cleverly took the, flew the helicopter helicopter there and landed it in an amazing space and people were running from everywhere because they've never seen an iron bird like this. And when they got there, we got out and, um, and we were preaching. Suddenly I just saw the people are all running there and my co-worker said to me, mom, they understand Bahasa Indonesia. You preach and I translate and let's have a crusade. That's exactly what we did. We, I run away, I start preaching, we start praying for the sick, we, everything. And then when we wanted to go, the people grabbed our clothing like this and they said, please don't go. We prayed for six years that God would send somebody. Our storm was their answer of prayer. 
How amazing. I'll never forget that. Paul, your storm was the salvation of those men and the revival of Malta. And then after that, we saw that they went and Paul went to Rome because God cannot change his destiny. And so we see my word for you tonight. Hebrews 13.5 says, I will never leave you nor forsake you. James chapter 1.25 says, Count it all joy. Let patience do its work. Jeremiah 31 verse 3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. Isaiah 43, 2 says, Though you walk through the fire, it shall not burn you. Revelation chapter 22, 12 says, Behold, I am coming quickly. My reward is with me. Because if you swim out to find the next wave, all hell will try to stop you and all heaven will march on your behalf. That is destiny. And that is the blueprint of God. And sometimes, because of our own procrastination, the blueprint cannot be fulfilled like that building simply because one of these cannons has wounded us. We got wounded along the way. I testify to you tonight Pastor and Daphne and Pastor No, I was very deeply broken by the embezzlement of the money of my right hand of 11 years. It broke my heart and I almost walked out of Indonesia. But thank God for prayer. Thank God for the Holy Spirit. Thank God that when we want to give up, He is there. And when I went praying and seeking the Lord, the Lord said, I have brought you to this nation to do my work. Today, I look at all this that's happening. 1,884 children. The prisons where we are preaching, bringing those young men to Jesus every month. And I must say, 1,884 children each month. The students, the ministry is blooming and blossoming because our ship almost sank, but God has not changed his destiny. Will you stand? You know, people, Tonight is not the knife to say, oh, now let's pray for those who lost their destiny. That's not what tonight is all about at all. Tonight is praying that you will continue pressing in in your destiny. Tonight is celebrating that God has spoken to you. What I would like to encourage you is to go back and see the scriptures that God has given you for your life. Go back and see what did God promise. Go back and see what did the Holy Spirit give you before. Go back and see where you did underline it. And then when you sing the song, I love it, shake my religion. I love it. 
please. Testing one, two. Uh, parents, uh, your kids are waiting. Those of you who have children, uh, your kids have been waiting for some time. Uh, please, if you have to go to collect your kids, uh, they're waiting for you uh, at the Sunday school facility. All right, thank you. And tonight, let's just worship God. Shake my opinions, God. Shake my religion. Break down the walls. I just want us to worship and raise our hands to God and say, Lord, I will walk with you. I will follow you. And maybe my disappointment is somebody else's appointment. And maybe my storm is to save somebody else's life. And maybe, Lord, I just want to again say, I want to walk in the blueprint of God. Would you just raise your hands and let's just worship. Let's just glorify God. Raise your hands and talk to the Lord.
And maybe tonight you have been wounded by one of these canons I mentioned. Maybe you are at a place where somebody criticized you or, yeah, or you, you, you felt that compromise has come in or yeah, maybe a family member or maybe you are just frustrated because you love God and you serve God, but you just can't seem to break through. And you want to make that fresh commitment to, the, to, to that destiny of God. Why don't you just come and we worship God together and we bless you tonight and we pray over you for God's wonderful blessing, for you to continue until the God use you for that revival and that destiny, be it for the youth, be it for the children, be it for whatever. Run, come on, quickly.
if we can ask the leaders to minister, to go with me. I'm coming down myself. Thank you. You are just wonderful. You are just if we could ask some of the leaders to help us pray and we just want to come and bless you we're not coming to break walls we're not coming we just come to bless you we just come to to say in Jesus name run with your run with your run with your destiny anybody please raise your hands everywhere everywhere right to the back raise your hands I release that anointing in the mighty name of Jesus I break every stronghold in Jesus' name. I set you free tonight. I set you loose in Jesus' name. I break every lie. I break it over you tonight. I break that inferiority over you in the name of Jesus. I set you free now. The power of God is here. The power of God is here. The power of God is here. The fire of God is here. The fire of God in Jesus' name. I set free. I call you into your destiny. I call you. I set you free into your destiny. Come on, come on. Pray, 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 pray. In the front, raise your hands and pray, 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 pray. At the back, come on, reach out your hands to God. Flow in your destiny, flow in your destiny. Dismiss you. So, will you lift up your hands? 
And I want to pray, Father, in Jesus' name, thank you so much for the word today, Lord. Oh, hallelujah, Lord, you are doing something in the destinies of the lives of men and women in this auditorium. And I pray, Father, as we go, send them out with the power of the Holy Ghost, Lord, and with the fire of God. Oh, Jesus' name, Lord, I bless you. And everybody said, Amen. God, let's give the Lord a big praise. If you have to go, you can quietly go in Jesus' name. God bless you and have a great day. Tomorrow, Sister Suzette will be here in the second service. And come and join us. Hallelujah. Thank you. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.